Welcome to this edition of Morgan Yes for Podcast. Week one of college football is essentially in the books. Uh, just getting started here is Ole Miss and Louisville, and I have it on the TV here. So if something interesting happens with that game, we'll talk about it live. Uh, but uh, hope everybody had a great holiday weekend, busy weekend here. Um, obviously, I went up to the Iowa State game. Uh, so that was all day Saturday and then kind of helped move some stuff and everything. And then just got home a little bit ago. Um, but obviously a great first long weekend, you know, obviously games lasted really from Thursday till right now. Um, you know, a few upsets, um, you know, just a few great games, but overall for the most part games went as they were supposed to. Um, let's just kind of talk a little bit about some of the big games, uh, outside of Iowa. Then we'll, we'll kind of recap Iowa and Iowa state here, but, uh, really, you know, one game that it isn't interesting or anything, but Kansas did win a, game, a football game for the first time in like 700 days. Uh, they rushed the field against South Dakota. It's just kind of funny and laugh. I mean, I don't know what else to do, but um, can't say a whole lot because Iowa State used to do that same thing. If they just got a win, they rushed the field. Well, and I think fans too, you know, not being able to go to games last year right. or a limited amount, whatever it was, I think just Kansas fans, they obviously were excited to win a game and then add in COVID where they're stuck at home. Like I didn't mind it that much. No, you know, it, it's, it's having fun. And I, I think Kansas probably is even kind of making fun of themselves over it. But yeah. you know, like I said, people were just stuck inside. So I thought it was actually kind of funny in a good way. Yep. I, I agree. I mean, it's, you're there to have fun and Kansas can joke with themselves. Cause you know, obviously they, they have the complete opposite in basketball where they're a true blue blood and everything else like that. So um, kind of the next game that was uh, very intriguing, um, kind of nationwide, really the game of the weekend was uh, Georgia-Clemson, uh, a really close game, really low-scoring game. And kind of the interesting part about this is on DraftKings, everybody made a bet to get a, the over of a, a .5. And that was it. And for a long time, the score was 0-0. Zero to zero. Now, you knew that somebody had to score, but that was kind of the joke was 0-0 uh, zero, zero going into the second quarter. And no, we hadn't won the bet yet. So, yeah. uh, but overall, really good game. Um, surprised at how Georgia's defense just didn't allow really Clemson to do anything. Um, so Clemson's got some things to work out. Obviously, a new quarterback uh, for the first time in several years, uh, but he's the number one guy. And he went into Notre Dame last year and had 400 yards. They didn't win the football game, but he looked a lot better. Um, so Clemson does have some work to do and uh, kind of, you know, just in an overall big picture, the ACC did not look really very good this weekend um, with North Carolina losing. They were kind of a sleeper, kind of like an Iowa State, really, you know, a top 10, really good quarterback, Heisman hopeful, um, you know, challenge Clemson, could get into the playoff if they were undefeated, one loss. And and I, and that was not a good first game that you want at Lane Stadium on a Friday night. Um, that's That's probably, in my opinion, the best entrance in college football when they play under Sandman and everything. So um, ACC didn't look real good um, with Georgia beating Clemson. And then obviously uh, AC, um, North Carolina losing Virginia Tech. Uh, but I don't think Clemson really, they go win the rest of their games, they're fine. And they lost to the, Georgia's going to be top five all year. There was a lot of hype with Georgia coming in the year. And I've always been kind of hesitant to buy in the hype besides anybody but Alabama and Clemson sometimes Ohio State a little bit, but that defense showed up. They're the real deal. We're probably going to see Alabama, Georgia 
SEC title game. I think everyone probably has that locked in. You could just – you don't even have to pencil that, and that's what it's going to be. Yeah, so I, I don't see how anybody else – you know, obviously Florida is going to think they have a say. Texas A&M, they, they didn't look great against Kent State, and, and opening games happen, you know, on that. I mean, we're going to get to that here with Iowa State here in just a few minutes. But um, opening games are kind of weird. Um, they didn't play real good in the first half. Second half, they kind of turned it on. But AM thinks that they're going to be um, good and give Alabama what they want, a good challenge and everything. So they would be the one team that I would say um, could could maybe disrupt that a little bit. But I, I I would definitely put it in pen, maybe the eraser pen, but Alabama, Georgia, for sure. You're right. There's a lot of hype with AM and Florida as well. I just – I'm going to put my trust with, with what I know, and that's Alabama and Georgia. And, you know, they did play the national title a few years ago. Yeah. That was a great game. That was the Virgins of Tua. So yeah. that's, they do seem like the real deal. You know, Clemson, they're still going to be a top 10 team this year. They could maybe even still make the playoffs. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how they do without Trevor Lawrence. They might have a little bit of a down year, maybe a, a 10 and two. Right. But they're still going to be a really tough out every week. Absolutely. Um, and then, uh, you know, kind of one that you want to hit on was LSU going, and this is just kind of a weird game going to LA and into the Rose Bowl and, and playing a, a Chip Kelly UCLA team in, in year four, I think, of Chip Kelly. And, you know, UCLA gets the upset there. And, and I don't know how much of it is an upset because there's just a lot of people on LSU not being very good and Ed Orgeron on the hot seat just you know, got Joe Burrow to come down there and had all these first round picks one year. He won a national title, but you really look at what he's done before and after nothing. And then obviously his, his track record at Ole Miss wasn't very good. USC didn't want to give him the job. He's one of those great assistant coaches that you want on your staff, but I just don't know how good of a head coach he is. I think what I read is he went and hired both an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator that had never called plays before, never been coordinators before. And that's LSU should not have that. Now I know, again, he caught lightning in a bottle when he hired Joe Brady. It was the same way, but he had been with the saints and under, you know, um, Sean Payton. And, you know, obviously he's, you can be the old coordinator. You're not calling plays. Sean Payton's calling the plays, calling the plays there at saints. Um, and Joe Brady went right on, and he's calling plays in the NFL now for the Carolina Panthers. But uh, LSU might be in a little bit of hurt here. We'll see how it goes go, going uh, forward. No, you're right. Two things there. Again, at Orgeron, you wonder, like you said, he caught lightning in a bottle. You wonder if that had more to do with, obviously, just having the perfect amount of talent at the right time and Joe Brady. But it's, it's weird to see a coach that had just recently won a national title in football, especially these days with the Alabama and Clemson's out there that's on the hot seat is probably going to get fired. Yeah. And I think there's a general consensus the last guy that just two years later out. See ya. Mm -hmm. I think everyone team. has the same gut feeling with, with this, that he's probably going to be gone. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, unless he comes out and wins the West beats Alabama or beats A&M or, I mean, I just, they're not going to put up. I mean, and, and they're just not going to put up with it. They, uh, they don't want eight wins. <laughs> they don't, they want 10 or more. They do. And, and speaking of a team that, uh, might be really a legit team this year is UCLA. There's play, or, uh, people like Joel Klatt and some others that have been really high on him. I, I don't think a lot of people, like you said, saw it as that big of an upset. It's his fourth year. They, they have a bunch of players from the transfer portal. Uh, their defense is a bunch of seniors, old guys that have a lot of experience. And Joel Klatt was talking about that, the, the transfer guys. 
when they come to a team, there's a sense of urgency with them. Right. They know it's basically their last chance to make an impression, get to the NFL, whatever their goals are. Whereas freshmen's coming in, they know they have their full four or five years ahead of them. Maybe they're not as, as urgent. So I think UCLA is a team to look out for. I'm not saying they're going to maybe be a playoff contender or anything, but they, they, Probably be a team that gets to eight or nine wins, maybe or more. And they're they, gonna be they, they could they win they could win the South and you know go up against Oregon or or you know I was gonna say Washington, but then they go lose to um, Montana, so maybe not Washington, but uh, you know in Oregon or whatever. Um, you know Chip Kelly can coach. I mean you you don't yes he had great players at Oregon, uh, but you know he wasn't. I would say he, he wasn't horrible in the NFL. It didn't work, but he wasn't like off. I mean, you look at the Eagles now, they were better when he was a coach than they are now. Um, you know, they off the Eagles are kind of that same way. Doug Peterson caught lightning in a bottle, happened to win it all. And he's gone, you know, I mean, just a couple of years later, he's gone and the quarterback's gone and he can't find a starting spot. And so, you know, Chip Kelly can coach. And I, I think people didn't understand how far US, UCLA had, had fallen, really. Um, I remember growing up, UCLA was you know, always one of those games in the Rose Bowl every other year or whatever. And they haven't been real good in the last 20 years or whatever. But, uh, you know, you give him time now. He's on his fourth year. So all these guys are his and and maybe he can, you know, win there. Yeah, I think they're up to 80 some scholarships now. But his first year, I think he only gave out like 53 or 56. It wasn't because of sanctions or anything. He was just trying to build a culture and he wasn't just going to hand out scholarships. So it seems like they got the they're on the right track and the Pac-12 needs another team to be good. USC, I, I think Clay Helton's done after this year. They've tried, they've tried to get rid of him for five years, but he'll come out and win 10 games. They just can't. Yeah. And I, I don't know if they're going to get to that this year, especially if UCLA takes over that LA area, but it's good to have another Pac-12 team in the mix. Cause they need it. We need, we need some teams in these other conferences to kind of step up. You know, one team that that's been good for the last 20 years that, that didn't look good was Stanford. Um, they, I mean, you could argue under Jim Harbaugh and then to David Shaw, the first five, six, seven years of his tenure there, they're as good as anybody. They were producing NFL guys, you know, Andrew Luck, you know, I mean, just McCaffrey and and linemen and running backs and everybody. And they, they could never win the title, but they were always just that next group of, you know, top 10 every year. They didn't look very good. I'm glad you brought them up because Joel Klatt was talking, I was listening today, and he brought up the three uh, academic powers, Notre Dame, Stanford, Northwestern. They brought up a point that says he doesn't think that all three or even two of them can be great at the same time because they're they're picking from a smaller pool of players than most other colleges. Right. They're fighting for the same guys because it's tough to find talented football players that can meet their academic standards. Right. And then so want to go there. I mean, you know, yeah, that, that, go there too. you know, the number one player in the country may be a great academic kid and can go to Stanford and can go to Notre Dame, but he's probably just not going to go there because he's going to go to Alabama or Clemson or LSU or just because he wants that football, you know, Notre Dame right in today's, you know, Notre Dame is right there. I mean, I think Notre Dame is in on that kid, but uh, you know, Stanford Northwestern is not in on that kid right now. No, and, and you and I have the same feeling about Brian Kelly. We think he's doing a really good job at, at Notre Dame. And I know people make fun of Notre Dame a lot, but no. they're they're right there, one of the top seven or eight programs year in and year out, at least the past four years. And if you look yeah. at the past four years for Stanford, they've been down. So Clatt's theory there on the recruiting, 
the smaller base that they have to get from kind of makes sense. So, but yeah, no, that those were just a few of the games I want to talk about. You did mention uh, Montana beating Washington, which is yep. the Grizz. I thought that was kind of cool, but uh, I suppose now you probably, I don't know if you want to start with Iowa or Iowa State or what one you want to get. More, one more game, speaking of Notre Dame, we just talked about them. Great game last night. That game, like when I was a kid in the early 90s, late 80s, that would have been the game of the whole weekend. Florida State, Notre Dame, number it would have been like number one versus number three or two versus four. It would have been like the Georgia-Clemson game, you know, only it would have been even – I mean, it would have been the real deal uh, with Lou Holtz and Bobby Bowden and, and you know, Deion Sanders and Rocket. and I mean, it would have been just the who's who of college football. So it was great to see. But really the story was Florida State looks way better. Notre Dame's still really good, you know. Uh, but really the story is Mackenzie Milton uh, coming out and playing really, really well when, you know, they didn't know if he would walk again without pain and that knee injury he had for uh, central Florida. Um, I think it was three years ago, um, just at him coming back and being able to play and play well. And he ran the ball. I mean, it was, it wasn't just like he just stood there and, and was throwing it. He scrambled a little bit and he looked okay. And so just great for that kid and that family. You could, they showed the family a lot that, um, you know, much like the Alex Smith, just coming back and playing in the mindset, you know, obviously his NFL career is not happening. And he was an NFL guy before. Um, I just don't know, um, you know, but he, he's, he's, you know, came back, he's proved everybody wrong and whether he plays another snap or not, doesn't matter. Yeah, definitely a cool story. And I told you before we got started, I actually didn't really get to watch that game. I had a fantasy draft, but on my drive today, I was, Listening, it sounded like there was some drama at the end of the game with kicking and some reviews. And the uh, Florida State kicker made a big kick and then had to wait like eight minutes until his well, next kick or something. So what happened? It was you know third and ten or whatever. It was a bad snap, and uh, um, and it was uh, and they fell on it or whatever. And he he went to throw it, and they originally called it a fumble. Say so it lost like ten yards. So it's gonna be a fifty yard field goal. Well, he went up and they called a timeout and Florida State called this timeout right before he kicked it and he made it. That was a little weird, but what they did is they called for the review and to get the incomplete pass instead of the fumble. Like he was going forward. Well, they did the review and it was and it was proven to be an incomplete pass. So then they went up back to the original line of scrimmage like a, instead of a 50-yard field goal, probably a 35-yard field goal and he missed it. And then Notre Dame went and kicked the field goal to win it. So, yeah, almost iced his own kicker. Um, but I understand what he was doing. You know, you I mean, a 50-yard field goal in college for your kicker is just – it's not good. I mean, you don't want that if, if you don't have to. Now, he did make it. But, again, everybody had stopped, whistled, blown, just one of those. So, the pressure wasn't there. And then, yeah, when it was the 35-yard or whatever it was, he uh, missed it left. Yeah, if you're a coach and think you can get a 15-yard advantage, I mean, I don't blame them for doing that. But like you said, that, but, that's what you heard. They, they iced their own kicker in a way, and it wasn't it wasn't a short amount of time. It was a long time that that kicker had to, to sit around and, and think about it, which you don't want that for a kicker. That's like sitting around for seven or eight minutes on a golf shot. Yeah, but, I mean, again, you you would rather sit there for 25 minutes and have a, a 35-yard field goal instead of a 50-yarder. I mean, if, if you really had to go for it, I mean, you would. So – you can't blame uh, Mike Norvell. They look so much better this year than last year, uh, second year of his tenure. And I was surprised at how many uh, transfers Florida State had. They had had 
on their defensive side, a couple guys from South Carolina, a couple guys from Georgia, they look good. And the, the, tra- the transfer portal, whether you like it, don't like it, whatever, it changes football because these guys are playing. And there was even one lineman for Florida State that played at Notre Dame last year. And so it was kind of – and they, he brought a kid down, and it was kind of a, a story there. But it's just – and I don't know all the circumstances that these guys are going these places, but it was weird to see all the transfers from big-time schools, and they were players, and they were an all-conference player – at Georgia last year, and now he's playing at Florida State. So it's just weird to see, you know. Well, I hope Florida State is better, like you said, because, again, we need schools like them, USC, Michigan, Nebraska. We, we need some of these bigger names to, to get back to being good because it just it makes the sport a lot better. Right. All right, now, so let's get uh, to the two games here that are most interest to our fans, uh, Iowa and Iowa State. Let's go ahead and start with Iowa. Um, really not a lot to say, just a complete dominating performance. Again, I'll be honest, I have not seen, besides a couple of highlights, I have not seen or heard anything about it. Obviously, I was at the Iowa State game. I got up there about 9 o'clock in the morning, uh, tailgated, and then went to the game and then drove home. So, obviously, about the same kickoff. So, you know, just, you know, heard it was a dominating performance. Two pick sixes, Riley Moss from Ankeny, um, Defensive Player of the Week nationally and in the Big Ten. Uh, a big run for Goodson, I believe. Uh, yep. so, and then obviously kept Indiana out of the end zone. Uh, so that's just, I don't know how else you draw it up any better. And so no. I think if you're a Hawkeye fan, um, which we know several, they're ready to go and, and letting uh, everybody have it this week. No, it was a great performance going in the game. Uh, my old roommate texted me, he's like, what, what's Iowa going to be like this year? I'm like, well, they're going to have a great defense, should have a really good O-line, good sense of stud at running back. Tight ends are always good. I said wide receivers. You know, Iowa's definitely not known for receivers most of the time. We, we get some but, they're, but they're better than they've been. They're receiving cores. Their mm-hmm. only question mark is quarterback, and he didn't do, really do anything to change it. Right, he won the football game, and he's won a lot of games, but he didn't play real well, I would say. Just looking at his stats. Again, I did not see anything, but just his stats were not anything great. If you look at his stats, you would think that there was a few drops in there. He should have had a few more completions. But again, when you, they got up 14 nothing within the first few minutes, right. that changes the play calling for Ference, uh, Brian. And when you have a defense like Iowa, who's now held teams to 24 points or less in 23 straight games, which is insane. The next closest, I think, is Marshall at 11 now. You know that it changes the way you're going to call the game. So don't screw it up. Be conservative. Get some first downs. Uh, if you got to pump the ball, which they did, uh, Torrey Taylor was after 49.5. I think that's got to watch out for the Iowa State game is Iowa's punter, actually, because, again, being up two scores or being down two scores to Iowa with that defense right now is almost like being down three or four scores to most teams. So I, I think that changed the game plan for Petrus. I'm not completely sold on him. I like him more than Zach does, as yeah. Zach's talked about. <laughs> Zach about- I'm not necessarily in love with him, but I, I thought he didn't really do too bad except a couple plays, in my opinion. So he had a few drops from his pass catchers. That didn't help his stats. Uh, yeah, dominant performance. And, again, I, there's probably been, you know, I don't know what the number is, but there's been some games where teams have had two pick sixes for touchdowns. But I want to know how many individual players have had two in one game. That's got to be a short list that Riley Moss is on now. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think very many. I mean, probably in the last 20 years. 10 of them. I mean, and think about how many football games there are a year, a lot. Yeah, so. it'd be it'd be a good stat to know. And the only other thing I wanted to get into that game, 
Tom Allen, the Indiana head coach, uh, toward the end of the first half, I was getting ready to, to kick a field goal. And he used all three timeouts to ice the Iowa kicker. That's fine. I mean, we're used to that now in, in football. But after every timeout, he was just clapping and being obnoxious and just like yelling and like, listen, man, you're down a lot in this game. And I don't know if you remember, but by the time you get in and out of the locker room, how much time do the coaches have with the team? Eight to 10 minutes, maybe? Probably. Yeah. I mean, maybe fifth, maybe 12 at most. Well, so wouldn't you, if you know you're going to call three timeouts in a row, wouldn't you get your offensive coordinator and your quarterback together and use those two minutes to be like, hey, let's start talking about the second half right now, rather than just being a clown, in my opinion. And he was acting like they'd been blocking field goals. He was acting like they were up, like the score was reversed or something. So I have nothing against Indiana, but I can't stand that guy now. He's he's on my uh, list of people I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, like I said, I didn't watch any of it, so I, I can't uh, say anything to that. But uh, no, those those – I'm one of those, I'm not a big raw, raw guy. I'm one of those, just go play the, play the game and, and let they, I mean, I don't, I don't get one of those cheering and always hyping up everybody. Just go play and just do your thing. And if you need all that, that's not my deal. I mean, I, I understand some people are like that and some people need that, but that's just not my deal. Yeah, it was, it was just weird. They, it was, you know, right before half, every time the, the defense ran off the field, he, you know, after three timeouts in a row, they, did, they didn't do anything. And he was, I don't know if you get if you get a chance to see a video of it, you'll kind of know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm, sure. yeah, I'm not I'm not that way either with the yaya stuff. So it was just it was obnoxious in my opinion. Yeah. So him and PJ Fleck can hang out, right? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> all right, now let's get to the Iowa State game. Obviously, I was there, saw it all. Very boring. I mean, honestly, a boring football game. I mean, just absolute boring. Um, you know. Uh, all the hype and everything and, and Iowa state just I'm not going to say they laid an egg, but it just, the, again, they rely, their defense played great. Again, we'll just start with a the defense there. Um, the one touchdown was kind of a broken play. They, they had knuckle vein there and then he's escaped and then he was behind the, you know, and threw it and got a big touchdown pass and then gave up one other field goal. So, and again, did not give up anything in the second half and, and Iowa state's defense is, best in the big 12, one of the best, you know, I would say uh, top 10 in the country. Their stat is in the second half, you know, no one scored more than 10 points in like 12 straight games, you know, Campbell, so, since he's been there, they've been one of the, the best in the big 12, I believe. Yeah. And so, so their defense did. And, and then same idea, they got up by six, which isn't very many, but they literally just, they dared you and I to do anything on offense and they couldn't do it. I mean, they, it was fourth and three inches and they punted it. They kicked a field goal when it was fourth and one from the one yard line <coughs> to get up by that six, instead of going for the touchdown, um, you know, punt when, you know, just, just rely on the defense, rely on the defense, you know, um, offensively was not, it wasn't like horrible, just nothing, Good. No big plays. Um, I was very, very disappointed in the offensive line. They, they did not get Brees Hall any openings. I mean, he was never, um, and I know after I was listening to the post game and everything in the, in the car, um, Brees Hall said he missed, he, he didn't go to the right hole a couple of times, just saw it too late and already had committed and 
So a little bit, I think, is on Brees Hall not being – and he wasn't horrible. He, I mean, he didn't carry the ball 30 times for 70 yards. He carried it 17 times for 70 yards. You know, so it wasn't awful. Like, they're actually yards per play was 5.8, and I was, was 4.8, I think is what I saw. So offensively, they're similar. Um, Iowa scored 34 points, and a lot of that has to do with two touchdowns and a big play. Iowa State didn't have that. Um, Brees Hall did have the one touchdown. Uh, Brock Purdy just uh, took what they gave him. I mean, he didn't do anything flashy. 21 and 26, a couple hundred yards, obviously no touchdowns. Um, but literally dink and dunk and just find your guys. Uh, kind of the bit, one of the big stories, Charlie, Charlie Kolar, All-American tight end, did not play. And it almost – and he did not play the first game last year either. And it's almost like it's not that he goes out and catches 10 balls for 200 yards and four touchdowns. But he makes it go, I guess. I don't know if he attracts that attention so the receivers are more one-on-one or it's Brock Purdy's safety blanket or, you know, just he'll just look to him more because Chase, one of actually one of his worst passes, Chase Allen, the other tight end, really good, probably get a chance in the NFL himself, uh, was open on a third down and he missed him. I mean, just a straight up miss. And, uh, you know, his worst pass of the day and it wasn't close. And uh, so no, no completions to the tight end. This Jared Russ is kind of a fullback tight end ish player had one big 25 yard catch, but um, you know, they, they would try to get those little bubble screens or quick outs, whatever. And you and I tackled really well. They just couldn't ever escape uh, anybody and uh, eight guys in the box and, you know, just nobody downfield, you know, so they just, dared Iowa state to go deep and they, they only probably threw the ball 15 yards down the field six times. I mean, they didn't even try. So, you know, and, and I know people like to say it, but Kirk Ferentz and Matt Campbell are so much alike. It's not even funny. (laughs) Well, no, and we talked about this a lot uh, last week or a couple weeks ago, whatever it was, but I wasn't so surprised at the score at halftime because I, I, you and I, that's that's the biggest game those guys are ever going to play. And on the road at number seven, Iowa State. The second half was a little bit surprising, but I, I've seen it before with Iowa where we had to block two field goals in a row to, to win the game. And then uh, you go on and win the Orange Bowl that year. I would love yeah. to go on and win a, a BCS game again, just like we did last year, you know, or whatever you want to call them now. Um, and then they, they could. I mean, Iowa State, you know, they've always started slow two years ago. You know, had to – it went to overtime with you and I. <laughs> Matt Campbell lost his first game ever against you and I, um, you know, last year they lost to Louisiana for whatever reason, he just, in the first game, I'm not going to say they're not ready to play, but they just don't, they're not aggressive, I guess, you know, they don't, I was not there. Yeah. say just whatever it is. And they just get better and better and better as the year goes on. And obviously they're going to have to, um, I was, a. uh, a really good team. Um, they're both going to be ranked. I mean, I was probably going to jump up a few spots, I would say, because uh, a bunch of teams around them lost. And then I think five ahead of them lost. So I'd, I'd expect they jump all five of those probably. You just never know. I mean, honestly, this early, I don't know. Iowa State could drop a couple. I, who knows? It's going to be close. It's going to be probably about nine to 11, you know. Um, you know, and obviously the big thing, game day is there again. And then, and I think what's even more important than game day being there, the number one crew is there. Uh, Kirk Herbstreet, 
uh, Reese Davis and then uh, Holly Rowe are the announcers and, and sidelines. So that's a huge deal. That means ESPN thinks that's the best game of the weekend. Um, and probably it is, you know, uh, just uh, with, you know, whoever wins this game, well, and I think it's going to be one heck of a football game, is set, setting themselves up for, obviously, whoever wins will be in the top 10, 2-0 uh, and oh with a, a win over a, a very good ranked team and setting themselves up for one heck of a season. I mean, they've got everything in front of them uh, to win their division if you're Iowa and then go play in the Big Ten title game. And, you know, if you're undefeated and you go play Ohio State, you're essentially one game away from a playoff. Iowa State's the same way. And obviously they got to play every, they got to play Oklahoma, which, you know, again, didn't look great. I mean, they scored for it. They scored a bunch. They just, their defense wasn't there. And uh, it's just, it sets, whoever wins this game sets themselves up for one heck of a year. And then even if you lose this game, you got to turn it around and you can still have one heck of a season because that one loss, you know, against another, you know, highly ranked team doesn't really hurt you that much. It's a non-conference game. You can go win your division if you're Iowa and you can go win your conference if you're Iowa State. Yeah, whoever loses this game, you can't give up on the season. You're nope. definitely going to be disappointed uh, going in. Like I said, last time we talked. Most years, typically most years, I go into it looking if Iowa gets to eight regular season wins, it's a success. Pretty happy. No, we're going to go to a good bowl game. Nine plus uh, is just bonus on the top. But after that win versus Indiana, now I'm expecting Iowa to get to that nine or ten win or right. more in the regular season. So definitely a big game. Um, it did help, obviously, Big Ten West with Wisconsin, Northwestern, and Minnesota all losing. Throw Nebraska in there, but they're not going to be in the mix. It's just fun that they lost. And I know you probably enjoyed that too. So yeah, I'd say. And then Illinois goes and loses, <laughs> goes and loses to Texas San Antonio. I, so I don't know, but uh, yes, I mean, I just looking. I think one of my like I think I said this a couple weeks ago. I think Penn State's going to be really, really good. So I don't think that loss for Wisconsin is that bad. Obviously, it's a loss in the Big Ten, so that's not good for them. But just Losing to Penn State going forward is much like whoever loses the Iowa State-Iowa game. That doesn't ruin your season. You're still a really good team. They're really good, too. Um, and, and who somebody, just like Clemson. Clemson, if they win out, will be just fine. You know, It's, it's a quality loss. Right, yeah. It, it's not going to hurt you. Um, you know, obviously, in, in Minnesota, is the same way. They lost to Ohio State. A lot of people are going to lose to Ohio State. So, um those teams have a loss. So, and Iowa has a win against a good, hopefully not my personal opinion. I don't think Indiana is as good as people thought. Uh, so I don't think they're going to go out and get second place in the East behind Ohio state. Uh, but if for some reason they would, that win looks better and better and better for Iowa. Yeah. I, I don't believe that Indiana is going to be a second place team in the East. Like you said, I, I don't even know if it'll be four. I, I could see Michigan being that that third team maybe mm -hmm. and Ohio State looks good they got a new young quarterback but yeah just getting back to the Iowa and Iowa State game getting back to game day speaking do you know who the guest speaker is gonna well they haven't announced it yet but do you have any idea who it might be or in, in, in my in my personal opinion it needs to be one of three people I think the most intriguing one would be Carson King um, the guy two years ago that raised all the money Obviously, he's an Iowa State fan, kind of made the joke or whatever, but then gave all the money to Iowa. So, I mean, that's where it's a, a both sides, um, you know, are, are in Ben. And, you know, he was welcome into Iowa, 
you know, Kinnick Stadium and the wave and, and everything mm-hmm. there. So I think that's a great story. Um, so if you want the story, I think it's him. Then you have two people that are huge, you know, both schools. You have Dan Gable, graduated from Iowa State, Hawkeye legend as a coaching staff, you know, a coach. Or you have Dan McCarney, Hawkeye graduate, really opened and started Iowa State's football transformation. He was a starter of it. He didn't get it done, but he definitely started it. He beat Iowa for five years. He, you know, he saw the potential and started raising the money for different things that are occurring now. He wasn't there to finish the job, but he definitely started the job. Then obviously both those guys have connections to both schools where they graduated from one, but coached and super influenced the other. So I would say one of those three, like they did last time they brought in Eric church. So like kind of the joke is bring in George Strait. What the heck? <laughs> yeah, I no, I agree with all three of those that you mentioned. The only other one I mentioned uh, that I'd like to see if, if it's not those three, of course, would be Seneca Wallace. Yeah, he would, he would be one. And, and obviously, you know, kind of looking back at that, um, you know, just a couple other people have talked. It's the it truly is the 20th anniversary of 9/11, um, and and that was a that was a huge week. And I, I was there at Iowa State. We were on Tuesday. It was on a Tuesday. We were getting ready to practice. Obviously, it happened that morning, and so we had practice later in the day. Because as of right then, we didn't know if we were playing or not. Um, obviously, it was it was delayed, and we played later in the season. But you know, a couple other thing would be to have. Uh, people that went to one of those schools or both of those schools and then went into, uh, you know, the armed services and served the country, bring them in to do some stuff. Um, and then, yeah, Seneca Wallace would be good. You know, George Niang would be good. The only thing with both of them would maybe not as big a story. You know, a lot of people are talking Tyrese Halliburton, obviously runner up to uh, rookie of the year. I, I just don't know if he has a recognition yet, you know, obviously only being one year out. Uh, George Niang would be great TV. I mean, I think he would, he's a personal guy. Kiss, you know, they would show the highlight of him kissing the Iowa crowd, kind of having him. I mean, Bohannon's still in school, so it doesn't really work. But if you could have him and Bohannon, like, sit next to each other, going to back, back and forth, that would be a good one as well. Uh, but if, if I had to make a guess, I hope it's Carson King. That, that would be my number one pick. Uh, just the story he had. And, and raising the money and just, you know, the good that came out of a joke. Yeah, Carson, I'd be totally fine with that. And like you mentioned, if, if they bring in someone that was involved with 9-11, maybe, maybe a volunteer or a service member that went and helped in New York City or something like that, you know, tell them Ronaldi will still have a sad story that will make us all tear up. Well, Ronaldi works for Fox now, so it won't be him, but Gene Wojciechowski oh, okay. now. Never mind, never mind. But, you know, ESPN and game day don't – Whoever it is, they'll, they'll make a good story out of that. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, they'll, they'll have a great story on 9-11, uh, hopefully including Iowa and Iowa State, that game, because it was supposed to happen that week. Um, and then also just have great stories on all of college football. So, um, you know, kind of one, you know, I heard some Iowa State fans saying boycott this because ESPN is, is essentially trying to ruin the Big 12 uh, and stuff, but – you can't do that. You have to show, because right now, if you're Iowa State, you want to show the best you can in case the Pac-12 or the Big Ten is, you know, they say they're not expanding now, but that doesn't mean anything. Tomorrow it could change. Um, 
and everybody's talking a good game right now because of all the lawsuits and courts that's going to happen. Uh, you want to show that your stadium and your school and your state are on the rise, your program's on the rise. You want to put your best foot forward. So if the Pac-12 or the Big Ten or the ACC or like, in my opinion, I don't think any of those are going to matter in 10 years. I think it's just going to be a different league. So you get invited to the big party. Absolutely. Iowa State definitely needs this. Yeah, there's no boycotting here. This is a great, not only for Iowa State or Iowa, but it's a great uh, showcase of the state of Iowa in general. Because, right. you know, they'll have a story or two showing the, the cornfields and oh, yeah. the typical stuff that we get to see every now and then, kind of like with the Field of Dreams game. Yep. that Typically, Iowa doesn't, it's not a state that gets a lot of media attention in sports. So th- this will be good. I'm, I'm glad the game day is coming back. Is this the, they've been in Iowa once. I know they've been in Iowa State. Is this the third time now in history, or I nope. it's the first time I can think of two times in Ames. I I think, and I think that's the only two times Iowa State's ever even been on it. So did they come for like Oklahoma State at I, Iowa State Mm-mm. years ago, or who was it? No, they just the two years ago, the two times two years ago against Iowa. The only two okay, then, and then also Ohio State at Iowa back in like two thousand and six or whatever. Right, Rutgers State was a quarterback, so I think this is the third time. They've ever been, coming to this they've been in Iowa, yeah. So I, it's you a good know. showcase. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait to tune in. Uh, I'm going to tell my grandma and grandpa about it. I'm sure they'll watch. They're yep. you know they're, they're not big sports people, but they'll definitely want to see the intro and the crowd and all the stories that they'll have about Iowa. Yeah, absolutely. It's just like I said, you know, people aren't happy with ESPN, and I'm not either. But it's one of those you have. I'll show up and I'll have the kids, and and we'll get there probably about. 8 30 9 o'clock and we'll get in there and we'll walk over i mean i'm not going to stand there for hour and hour you know because the game doesn't start till 3 30 um so, so that's kind of a good thing too where it doesn't start till 3 30 so you know obviously the the show goes off at 11 o'clock so you could stay there for those few hours and then still head back to your tailgate and you still got hours before getting into the game go cook your food and everything else like that but you know last, last time i was not able to highlight a soccer game or a baseball game or something so we weren't able to get over to the set or anything, uh, but we will this time and we'll, we'll get up there and we'll go early and I'll walk over and see. I mean, I'm not a huge stand in line forever and hold a sign. I'm not, that's just not me, but uh, I'll go see what it's all about. And then we'll walk back and then we'll go see our friends at different places and, and make one heck of a day out of it. No, it'll be a lot of fun and glad you're taking the kids up there. That'll be memorable for them because Oh yeah. I mean, that's, you know, Tyler had one heck of a time, you know, Paige, Paige is Paige and she, she doesn't do all the stuff, but Tyler played bags. We played catch. We went over and he played with other people playing catch and played bags with some friends. And, and uh, it was just a great time had by all and, and can't wait to do it again. Weather as of today looks good. It's going to be nice 85 degrees. It'll be a little warm maybe, uh, but that's what you want. You don't want bad weather on these games. Uh, so it just looks great. And uh, it's what it's all about. Um, you know, Iowa State game, a little bit of uh, trash talk. And I'm not a big trash talker, but uh, we'll we'll go. We'll play the game. We'll see who wins. And we'll talk after the game, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. That's right. And before we – I don't, don't know how much more you want to go just in college, but I did want to get – I want to get your prediction on record for the game. And I'm going to get mine, so – we're all fair and square here. It's not one side. What, what's who's going to win and, and give me a score? 28, 24 Cyclones. 
Okay. I got Iowa 27, Iowa State 16. Yep, I'm in it. I think it's, it's pretty close for a while, but I think Iowa's defense, if if you said that Iowa State was dinking and dunking on you and I, I can only imagine what they're going to do against against Iowa. But as you've mentioned, though, too, Iowa State gets better and better as the season goes on under Campbell. So that – listen, both these teams are going to come out. I mean, it's the biggest game in the history of the rivalry. So there's going to be – everyone's going to be up for it. Now, now, you know, the one thing, Iowa State did not turn the ball over. Did Iowa turn the ball over at all against Indiana? I mean, I just don't know. They may – I know they had a fumble, and I think Indiana recovered. But now that you ask me, I, I can't remember if, what the ruling was, but I think they might have lost a fumble. Okay, so that, that could be a huge turning point, whoever happens. And honestly, it was last time. You know, Iowa kicked it on the punt. A couple minutes left. Iowa State had the chance to go down and score. Went off the guy's head. Iowa got it. Game over. You know, so turnovers are huge. Um, third down. Iowa State was not very good on third down. Um, third down and turnovers are, are going to have a huge uh, – because, again, strength on strength is defense and defense. Um Obviously, after last week, I wouldn't say this, but, you know, looking at overall and going into the season, I would give the the nod to Iowa State's offense being better than Iowa's offense, um, just with the quarterback, proven quarterback and everything. Um, but obviously that got, because of what happened Saturday, I would say that shrunk, that gap shrunk. Um, so we'll see. Uh, big play, And again, big plays matter. You know, you can play great, great defense, just like last night, Notre Dame was absolutely killing Florida State. Florida State had an 80, 89-yard touchdown run, changed the game. You know, um, that happens. I mean, you can be a great, great defense. One missed tackle, guy gets to the second level, he's fast, he's gone. It, it just happens, and then it changes games. Oh, you're absolutely right, and I'm, I just – I can't wait for Saturday. It's – I'm really excited for it. I can't wait to turn on game day at, I think, 7 a.m. my time. Yeah, 8 a.m. here, yep. Watch the whole spectacle, the stories. Then I got some time to kill before the game starts, and I'm I'm very excited for it, no matter who wins, because it appears that both of these teams, no matter what happens in this game, could have one heck of a year, and both be in really good bowl games, or mm -hmm. who knows, even better if if everything goes according to plan. Yeah, I'd say they're, they're both – they're setting themselves up for great years, and whoever wins this game is just uh, – two steps, you know, one step ahead of the other one, and obviously two steps on the road uh, to where they want to go. And Iowa, I mean, just looking at it, beat two ranked teams right out of the gates. If, if that does happen, Iowa's well on their way. Absolutely. So it, it's going to be good. We'll, you know, I know we'll talk next week, and mm -hmm. no matter who wins or who loses, we'll, we'll do a little recap of it. And I suppose that's it for college, and I know we're going to, kind of transition into NFL if you want, unless you had anything else you wanted to cover. Nope, I think that's it uh, for college football. So let's, you know, I think we're just going to stay on here. We'll just have one kind of big one this week. Um, let's just go right into the NFL. Uh, kind of really the, the big thing was just, you know, the, the story of the last week of the NFL is a little bit of vaccination talk, uh, cutting players with vaccination, and obviously Cam Newton getting cut in uh, New England and them going with Mac Jones. Uh, so, those are really the, the, the two storylines of the NFL the last week or so. You know, obviously they've given some guys off because you saw the the NFL guys all at their college back at their college. Dave Montgomery was was back at Iowa State. Lawrence Wonk watched Clemson. 
you know, a lot of those NFL guys, Carson Wentz, I saw he was dove hunting, which that's what he does. Um, and, uh, so that, you know, obviously they gave uh, all this weekend off to all those guys. Let's just start with Cam Newton getting cut. There were some people that were, I think, pretty surprised that that happened. I, I wasn't so much after I thought about it for a little, little while. He, he's not vaccinated by all accounts. And by all reports, the quarterback uh, competition was really close. So I think Bill Belichick said, hey, it's really close. Max vaccinated. Cam's not. Let's just roll with Mac the entire year and ride the highs, ride the lows, see what we got. And with Cam, like, we don't need that distraction. And when I say that, Cam's been nothing but a, a perfect player for them in the locker room and outside until this came up. And, you know, Bill Belichick doesn't like distractions. And you don't want to have to go 17 straight weeks wondering the storyline of Cam. First of all, was he the starter or backup if there's poor play by Mac Jones in the second which I'll get into this, what you mentioned with the vaccination, is he going to be able to be available to play? That's right. You're going to have to ask that question 17 weeks in a row. And that kind of brings me into the Vikings, who I spoke a little bit about last time. Now there's rumors that all three levels of the Vikings organization are not real happy with Kirk Cousins, the owner, the management, the coaches, and the players. So it, I, I just see it being a real problem because, first of all, the management team, it's like, what the heck, man, we gave you a massive contract extension a couple years ago. You're supposed to be a leader of the team. And however you feel about this is whatever, but he is the quarterback. And then the coaching staff has to be ticked off because they have to go 17 weeks in a row come Monday when they go in for their meetings. They have to be like, well, we don't know if Kirk's going to play this weekend or not. 17 weeks of that. And do then they have know, to decide if they're how many snaps they're going to give the backup. Do you know what – if someone is vaccinated – do you know what their testing protocol is in the NFL? I know we talked about this last time. We didn't know. And do you know what the testing uh, protocol is for unvaccinated players? I know. All it's I know is it's unvaccinated. Different. It's much, much harsher. Like you're, right. you are, you have to wear a mask. If you get caught without a mask on, you could potentially miss a game just because of that. It's, it's very harsh. And I think it's going to be a real problem for the Vikings and even for the, the Colts, because I believe, well, I, I don't believe I know he said it now that I think about it. Carson Wentz is unvaccinated too. And he's already been on the co So he, I think he just had it or whatever, because he was on the COVID list, correct? He was, I think, I think he's off now. So he is scheduled yeah. to play week one. So is Kirk Cousins. But again, these coaching staffs, they're going to have 17 weeks in a row of Monday meetings. Cause the players usually don't come in on Mondays. That's their day off, but the coaches will. And that, that's going to be frustrating because they're going to have to ask, like, hey, how many snaps in practice do we take away from our starter and give it to the backup? Is it 10? Is it 15? Is it 20 with the first right. team reps? So it's going to cause some friction. I, I think it's a real problem for the Vikings this year and, and the Colts because the Colts and Washington are the two most least vaccinated teams, I think, in the league. Yeah, and say so that's what – I haven't heard that with the Bears, so I'm assuming that they're all – I mean – the key players are all vaccinated. So, um, but you know, obviously that's not a, it doesn't have to come out per se unless, but they, but you know, obviously cousins has came out and said, he's not vaccinated, not going to get vaccinated or anything else like that. So we'll see all it says of his teammates. Cause like I told you, a lot of these receivers and running backs, tight ends their their bonuses are tied to stats. And if their guy's not out there getting in the ball, they're losing money, let alone potentially losing wins. All right. So, obviously, uh, the NFL starts Thursday. 
Tampa Bay and Dallas, correct? Correct. Tampa Bay at home versus Dallas. The line is now went to Tampa Bay as an eight-point favorite. Zach Martin, uh, one of the best stars in football, he's out for the Cowboys. Yep. I already had a bunch of questions with Dallas just in general. We've, we've talked about it, but we don't need to repeat it. But they actually average one yard less per carry or per rush when Zach Martin doesn't play. That's that's a big that's deal. A, that's a lot. And when you factor in, it's a lot. And when you factor in Dak coming back from that gruesome injury that he had, it's he's definitely not going to be perfect game one, you wouldn't think. No. He's probably going to need a few games to, to really settle in and trust his body. I mean, I remember when Tom Brady tore his ACL versus the Chiefs a long time ago with the Patriots. That next year back, it, it took him a while to get comfortable, and he's the greatest of all time, right? So you figure Dak, yeah, he's going to play. Yeah, it's going to – they're not the same team they were last year, but, man, this this has just a blowout maybe written all over it if Dallas isn't ready to go. You're high on Tampa again this year, right? I mean, they return. I think it's one, I think it's one of the best – rosters ever going into a season that I've ever seen. They brought back every single starter, all their main coaches. Now there were some backups here and there that there was some turnaround, but it's potentially one of the all-time great rosters ever assembled coming back for another year. And you almost have to wonder what, you know, and I don't know their salary cap issues or, or whatever with that, but did they are they just truly selling out for these two or three years with Tom Brady and then it's just going to get blown up and and then go or are any of these long term deals and, and they're you know cap friendly and stuff like that? It's tough to say. The cap is really confusing. Oh, I, people... I agree. I mean, I don't. What do you know the cap? I mean, surely the the Patriots are taking a hit with cutting Cam Newton, right? I mean, it's not that big of a one. They, they signed a, a team-friendly deal. But for like for the Buccaneers, I think I saw the other day that Mike Evans restructured his contract, a great receiver for them. It's like clear up $8 million of cap space. Buck. So, you know, you wonder, yeah, two, three, four years down the line, are they going to be in big trouble? I mean, yeah, there's probably a chance of that, kind of like what the Saints are sitting now. But if – But they're not worried they about this. They already they're got this. They're trying to win right now, so – and if they get another, like, they're not going to care if they're in cap hell, as they call it, for two years, whatever. Like, yeah, if they would if win get another ring out or next year, who cares? Exactly. Yeah. So, it, yeah, most likely that's going to be the case. But for, I, I would say for at least the next two years, they should be fine because Brady's made it clear that this isn't his last year. Yeah. So, I mean, unless something changes, I, I agree. This is his last year of his deal, though, that he signed with Tampa, right? Or yeah. is it? It's a good question. I he I did I did, do think he signed originally a two year deal, and I don't think they've extended yet. But yeah, I, mean, I, I can't. I'm not for sure on that if if his deal is for sure up after this year or not. But he's made it clear that he wants to play probably two or three more years. Right. As now, long, if they win the Super Bowl this year, it might be a perfect time to walk away. We'll we'll see what happens. But as long as he is healthy and he has a good team, he's going to play. I mean, in my opinion, I mean that's just. I think. I mean this. is He's already the greatest and has the most Super Bowls ever, but just think if he could get to 10. I mean, that's unbelievable. He's only three away. Huh? <laughs> you say only three, like he's only three away, but like for Brady, that's doable. For any for any other quarterback, just to even get to three Super Bowls, let alone win three is insane. So yeah, I mean it's just it's unbelievable and what he's done and 
And I, I think what, what he's proving too is, is players want to come play with him and, and restructuring deals. And, and that's what he did for so long in, in uh, New England to help everybody else. Now he has a luxury of a wife that makes way more money than him. So money isn't an issue for everybody else. For the most part, it's their first, you know, they didn't come from that. They don't have that. They don't, we'll never have that. Um, so, um, you know, just for, for the guys like that to restructure everything and give the team the best chance to win, which that makes everybody more money. Don't kid yourself. When you, when you win, you win, you get more money. Absolutely. You're right. And it, it's weird because they've never seen this before where a team brings back every starter and coach from a Super Bowl winning roster, because usually other teams, the bad teams or with cap space are, are picking, picking apart the Super Bowl winner, the coaches, the players. And it seems like Tom Brady's mentality team first has carried over to every other player right. on the roster to take less money or to stick around for at least one more year to go for two did, in a row. Did it's going to be interesting. I mean, I haven't heard is, is Leftwich getting interviewed or, or called for jobs yet or not? He's getting the team after Arians retires. Okay. It's his team in waiting. Okay. So Arians, you know, let's say they, let's say they do repeat. Arians probably retires yeah. and then hands it off to Leftwich. Uh, but it, it's pretty clear down there. It's left, which is team in waiting. If he, if he sticks around. Yeah. Which. Yeah. You, you go take the jets job. Yeah. You're the head coach, but let's go win again with Tom. And then in two or three years, I've, I've got, you know, again, maybe salary cap hell, but I still got a couple rings maybe, or, or a ring and a, another chance. And then I, I still have an okay team instead of a horrible team. And, and he's not that old. He's about my age. He's lower 40, low to mid 40s. So he's not an old guy yet by any means. Um, so, and that's part of the reason they took Kyle Trask in the draft, too, the quarterback from Florida, because Arians wanted, he wanted Leftwich to have potentially at least have a guy once Brady does retire. Right. So Leftwich can have success. And he didn't want to just leave him a dumpster fire, right? Right. He wanted to leave him a good team and a, a chance to succeed. So, Left, which is really respected. And yeah, it's going to be his team eventually. Yeah, just like, I mean, you have to think McDaniels is just waiting for Belichick too. He could have, he took the Colts job and then decided not to, you know. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's done some sketchy things over the years. And yeah, it, that's, it, it is probably his team someday, maybe, or maybe even Bill's son, but we'll see what plays out there. If Mac Jones is pretty good, which, I think he's set up for success. I don't know how good he's going to be, but he's going to win games. That's a good team. Belichick might be around for a while. Yeah. Longer than Arians, I, I would say. Yeah. Arians is, well, older-ish. I mean, I don't know. Belichick. He seems older. I don't know if he yeah. is, but he seems older. <laughs> right. Yeah. He wears that hat. and yep, just He seems closer to retirement than Belichick does, I guess that's the way I'd put it. I, I would agree with that. All right. Any other uh, big storylines here uh, opening weekend for the NFL? Uh, just, you know, J.K. Dobbins, the Ravens running back towards ACL, and then they're probably their second string running back now, Justice Hill, tore his ACL as well. So they've got Gus Edwards, too, is a, is a nice back. But, again, they're, they're a, a running team. So uh, you almost wonder, do the Ravens maybe take a step back this year, not having a couple of their best runners out there? they still got Lamar, who's going to be great. You know, he's, in my opinion, he's almost even a little underrated. And he just won an MVP two seasons ago. So I, I don't know. It, that That's an interesting division. And that, that kind of brings me to the Steelers. I was 
yesterday I was just sitting around thinking their over-under is eight and a half. And a lot of people are down on the Steelers for, I don't know what, maybe it's just because the Steelers have been great for so long. Maybe people are just bored with them. Right. But I, I threw a nice bet on the over at eight and a half. Tomlin's never had a losing season there. I don't think Big Ben's ever had a losing season as a starter, even going back to uh, Bill Cowher days. Right. And they're going to probably have the number one defense in the league overall. They've got really good receivers. They drafted Najee Harris. And they got uh, Pat Fryer, who I spoke about last time, the rookie tight end out of Penn State, who I think is going to be really good. So if that offensive line is, you know, pretty decent, call it middle of the pack or better, just given the Steelers' track record, I have to give them the benefit of the doubt to get to nine and eight, if not better. So I, the more I thought about it, I'm like, man, that I just I have to give the Steelers the benefit of the doubt because they're one of the best running franchises in the history of the NFL. Kind of like Andy Reid, no lines. Right. He's really good at O line uh, production, and like Russell Wilson, just Russell Wilson just wins games. Those are three things that we just kind of know in the NFL. So, the more I thought about, it, I'm like, I'm going to take the Steelers over nine. That's that's a really good roster. The only question mark to have is your O line. Who is their O line co- coach? Do you know? I don't know. Uh, good question. I, I'm not sure who it is these days, but yeah, just just give them. They always seem to get things right. Oh yeah, majority See, of time. Yeah, they they're never going to be bad. They're always going to be well coached. I mean, that's just the way. The whoever the next coach is going to be the same way, you know. That's just, yeah, I'm, I'm sure they'll hire the right guy whenever Tomlin decides to retire or whatever he decides to do, move on or whatever. I mean, it's his until he doesn't want it. It's been proven there too. I mean, it's they're not going to fire anybody, you know, because and then whoever they hire is going to be the right. I mean. They just they do things the right way in Pittsburgh and hate to say it, but it's just the way it is. It is. See, that that's the reason the more I thought about it, I'm like, I'm just gonna take the over at eight and a half. I could see him at nine and eight, ten, seven. That that defense is gonna keep them in just basically every single game that they play this year. And just given their history, I, I think it's the right way to go. All right. So I know you, you kind of have a couple uh, uh segments or whatever you're gonna pick, uh some spreads and everything that you like and you're gonna keep track. And, and kind of uh, keep track how you're doing this uh, year on the NFL. So two things I'm going to every week, I'm going to come out with spreads. I like or spreads that I'm going with, and then also an upset game of the week with the spreads. I don't have a set number. Like, Oh, I'm going to do five games every week or six this week. I actually have 10. I promise. Ooh, probably not going to have 10. <laughs> I'm not going to have 10 every week. I promise. It's probably going to be like six or seven a week. Okay. So, we may as well get in that. And by the end of the year, or even by like week four or five, we might need to rename this, do the opposite of Trevor, <laughs> and you'll make a lot of money. Because I, I don't think I'm very good at, at betting spreads. I, there's other stuff I do better at. Betting weekly spreads is probably not high sure. on the list. Things so I do so on, a, on, a, on a couple radio shows I listen to, they have Bet Your House and Lock of the Week. So what, what we should name this something, Trevor. What do we want to name it? I don't know. I'll have to think about it. We'll try to come up with something. But like I said, we might have to rename it. Yeah, well, this could be do the opposite of what I do, and you'll actually make good money. Fade, fade, <laughs> fade Trevor's bets. Yeah, uh, fade my bets. Do the opposite. Don't listen, or do listen and then do the opposite. I don't know. We'll, we'll come up with something. But all right, like I said, I don't have a set amount, and I promise it will not be ten a week. No way. That's way too many. Uh, just for example, there's certain games I'm going to stay away, away from each week. This week, for one example, is the Packers at the Saints. 
that game's actually getting moved to Jacksonville. Yep. Because of the hurricane. And uh, it's kind of cool that the Falcons reached out to the Saints to open up their stadium to them and said, hey, if you want to play here, you can. And I did hear, though, that the Saints looked into uh, airplane tickets from Green Bay to Atlanta versus Green Bay to Jacksonville. And Jacksonville was a lot higher plane ticket. So that's why they closed that. <clears throat> Which I don't blame. I mean, they're supposed to have it. It's their home game. So right. get whatever home advantage you can. There's just a lot of variables. Green Bay is going to be about the left tackle. And uh, they're replacing their center from last year. So with all that kind of craziness going on, I'm just not going to touch that game. But we may as well start with Tampa. I have 10 games, like I said. I only have one favorite spread that I'm taking. There you that's go. Tampa. That's Tampa. Minus eight. I, I think this could be a, a blowout. Uh, moving on, I like the Jets plus five and a half at Carolina. Again, I'm not going to bet the Jets very often this year, but they're a young team with a new coach. They're going to be excited. They're not on a losing streak. You know, week one, everyone's excited about their team, their chances. Yep. Sam Darnold will be his first game, regular season game with a new team. Their offense line is the question mark. The Jets do have a good D-line and have some good defensive backs. So I think five and a half is a good play there. That, that's a lot of points in the NFL for a spread. This will probably be the only time I bet this team all season, I think. I'm taking Houston plus three at home versus the Jags. Tyrod Taylor is starting, right? Yes, he is. As of now, unless something unfortunate happens to him, which he seems to have bad luck. But again, it, it reminds what was what was the one where he got he had to get a, a needle in his chest and they collapsed his lung or whatever? Puncture his lung, yeah. And then Justin Herbert got like a three minute heads up. Hey, you got to go. Like yeah. Tyrod's going to the hospital. They punctured his lung, or I don't know what they told him, but yeah, that he's had some bad luck. But I think week one, Tyrod's been in the league a long time. They have Laramie Tunsil at left tackle. He's good. Brandon Cook's a receiver. He's a good receiver. But the running backs, uh, they have Mark Ingram, former Raven, Philip Lindsay, former Bronco, and David Johnson, former Cardinal from University of Iowa. So Northern they Iowa. Have some, University of Northern Iowa, yeah. They have some good pieces. And I think week one, Urban Meyer on the road, his first game, I, I, I think I like Houston plus three at home. I, I think that's a play there. And, again, I'll probably never bet him the rest of the season this this might be the only one. Uh, next game is Eagles at Atlanta. I'm taking Eagles plus four. Falcons are breaking a new op or new head coach, I should should say, and they don't have a good defense. The Eagles have Jalen Hurts who can run around, make some plays. They've got good tight ends, pretty good receiving core, and if the offense line's ready to go, uh, that's why I'm going with them. Next game is Washington football team plus one and a half. They're at home versus Chargers. I think the Chargers are a really good team. I think they're going to be in the playoffs. But, again, week one, the Chargers have a new head coach. They've got a couple new offensive linemen they're trying to get worked out. Washington has probably the best D-line in football. They've got good weapons on offense. So I'm going to take them plus one half as a home underdog, especially week one. Indianapolis, plus three at home versus Seahawks. Again, I love Russell Wilson but they've had some drama this year with contracts. Yep. They've got a bunch of players demand that they're not going to play. And if you remember, Indy was really a few plays away from beating the Bills last year in the AFC Championship game to go face the, the Chiefs. So that's a really good roster. Week one, I like Indy at home plus three. The Steelers, who I spoke about earlier, on the road at the Bills. I'm as high on the Bills as probably anybody is. Josh Allen for MVP, all that stuff. 
but they're six and a half point underdogs on the road. And they have, again, they have the experience. They got big Ben. They've got a good defense. If, if the bills aren't ready to roll that first week, the, the Steelers could easily win that game. And the last few here, this one I'm not very confident about because their offensive lines look bad in preseason, but the Giants are getting two and a half points underdog at home versus the Broncos. Broncos have Von Miller, Bradley Chubb. Again, I really like Joe Judge and the roster that they've built, but the O-line's a question. It's a problem. So I'm going to take him at home, getting two and a half points just out of that, but don't really feel good about that one. That's all right. The last, the last two. I'm taking the Lions at home plus seven and a half for San Francisco. Okay. That's a lot of points in the NFL. Yes, it is. And I think I think Dan Campbell's gonna have that team ready to roll week one. I don't know how they're gonna do the rest of the season, but again, right. week one, these teams are excited. There's optimism in the the locker room and the front office. And the 49ers are gonna be rotating quarterbacks. I think that's gonna be a fascinating like story and team to watch all year. Because they could literally rotate quarterbacks, people are thinking every other play, every other series. Hmm. Something that we haven't seen a team since 19, I think 71, the Cowboys did it with Stallback and some other guy that I don't know. I think they won the Super Bowl that year. So I think week one, the Lions are the play. And then my last one is the Bengals plus three and a half at home versus the Vikings. And that gets me into my upset of the week. I'm going to try to have an upset special of the week. I'm Going to try to make it a good one, not a not a lame duck one. Right. But I have the Bengals beating the Vikings week one, and the Vikings are three-and-a-half-point favorites. So that's my upset of the week. Just because of the COVID stuff that I spoke about earlier with Kirk Cousins, I think there's some tension, some friction in the locker room with Minnesota already. And it could implode the first quarter of that game if they're not moving the ball well. I could see receivers getting mad at Kirk Cousins, and it, it could become a mess early for the Vikings. You are big time. You're just waiting for the Vikings to blow up and drama everywhere, aren't you? I am, and I'm not for like, not for any reason. It's just like a gut feeling. Yeah. More than I'm just, I'm seeing more stories come out of there. I, I don't have any problem with the Vikings. Just, I don't know. I, I, I think, I think it could get ugly even week one on the road at, or on the road at the Bengals. But that's my upset pick of the week. We'll call it. Like I said, I won't have ten of these spreads a week. No, that's it's a lot. Uh, if I go five and five, I'll be pretty happy. Obviously, the goal is six and four or better, as you know, betting. Yeah. Yeah. It'll probably end up being three and seven, four and six. <laughs> nope, very good. Anything else you want to talk about in the NFL for this week? No, I mean, we covered most everything on our last episode. We talked for quite a while. Uh, really, the storyline is just the first game Thursday night, Bucks Cowboys. Uh, got a bunch of good games on Sunday. I think Sunday night is Bears at the Rams, which we'll yep. see how Andy Dalton does. We may let's talk about them briefly, just because you're a Bears fan. Yep. Uh, you know, if Andy Dalton plays well, the Bears fans will probably be all right. If he really lays an egg in that game, does Fields even get in the game, or does he start immediately week two? You know. Yeah. So it's just, I mean, if you're Andy Dalton, you just have to be like. It's just a matter of time, and it's if I do anything wrong, which will happen. I mean, that's just the life of a quarterback. Um, you just when am I getting the hook? <laughs> I mean, that's just and and the fans don't want you there. And I mean, it, it's it's almost like here, give it to him already, and let's go. I'll be the backup. You can still pay me the same amount of money, and I'll just be the backup. It's fine. But those guys yeah. are all those guys are all competitors, and 
you know, obviously he thinks he's going to do well. And, and I, and I hope he does. I mean, I mean, in, in the, the best scenario for, I think bears fans and just in general is Andy Dalton plays well and you don't have to play Justin Fields and you can get him in a series or a package or whatever, and really do that throughout the year. But Andy Dalton's your guy. And, and I, you know, just, and, and you're winning football games and, and he's a true compliment. You're just teaching him the ropes of how to be a professional football player. Cause Andy Dalton's been in the league a long time. He knows how to be a professional football player. And, and I just, I know that all these coaches and GMs, they have to play their number one draft pick and I get it, but I just think for the best, you know, it's hard to be the starting quarterback in an NFL when you don't know even, even know how to do everything you're supposed to do to be a professional quarterback or professional football player. Um, all the responsibilities through the week, these guys, you know, Justin Fields, I guarantee you Ohio state, their day is 6 AM to 10 PM structured, no time to themselves, you know, well, in the NFL, you got a lot of time to yourself. You practice, you might be in the facility from 8 AM to 4 PM, but that's it, you know, after 4 p.m., you go out to eat or, you know, whatever you want to do. Now, you should be watching film and stuff, but they're not going to make you do that. Um, so just learn how to be a professional football player. And I know he's talked to his coaches and he's talked to players and, and he's been told what to do, but will he do it? And that goes for everybody. That's not just Justin Fields. That's any rookie in any job anywhere. You don't know what you're doing. <laughs> It, it takes time to learn it, and you're right. The, the best thing for the for the Bears potentially, at least early on, is Andy Dalton does play well. Say that say they lose the game by a field goal, yeah, it's close. It. You know, he plays good. He's a starter for the next few weeks or whatever. Maybe wrinkle in fields on some kind of like a Trey Lance, not not the same situation, but maybe let him get in there for every now and then, yeah, and get a feel for the game. One series a quarter, um, or have different packages. Hey, third and you know second threes, you're in. You know, whatever it is, you know, just have – he knows he's playing. He knows he's in the game plan and then play. And then – but you're not relying on him to be your number one guy all the way these first few weeks for sure. No, exactly. And, I, again, I've, I've spoken highly about him. I, I think the Bears finally got their guy. We're, we're going to find out over the next couple of seasons. But it's exciting. Your, your Iowa State Cyclones are good. Your Bears potentially might have a guy. We got football Thursday, Saturday – Sunday and Monday, so it's it's going to be fun. Football season's officially back now with the NFL getting kicked off, and we'll try to do this every week. I don't know, you know, holidays. Yeah. We'll miss a few, but for sure with my spreads, I'll uh, if we yeah. can't do a show, I'll at least text them to you. That way we keep track. Yeah, we can we can keep track, and if we should be able to get this, you know, Monday to it may not always be on Mondays. It may not well, it won't be on Mondays because Monday night football. We'll try to do these on Tuesdays, but. Tuesdays or Wednesdays, we, sh we hopefully we can get these done. And if not, we can put it out on Twitter or whatever, your picks or whatever. So. We'll get most of them anyway. We'll get at least uh, 15 of the 18 weeks, I would say. Christmas and Thanksgiving, there might throw a little red in, but yeah. we'll get most of them. <laughs> yep. So, all right. Well, thanks, Trev, and, and we'll talk to you later this week or next week. Okay. All right. Have a good night. Yep. You too. Thank you for listening to Morgan Yass for Podcast. If you like what you hear, click the like button or hit subscribe if you want to hear more episodes from Morgan the Ask For Podcast. Also, if you would like to comment or with any show ideas, 
or anything, please contact me at morganyasforpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at ryanmorgan34.